This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. It's four minutes after 12 and you are listening to LBC, where Mystery Hour is now upon us. Let me make you a promise to start with. This is uh, probably the only gold-plated pledge that is made on British radio routinely, weekly, on this occasion. If you listen to the rest of this broadcast, you will know more by one o'clock this afternoon than you do now. Guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. Or you get your money back. It may not be information that you're grateful for. It may not be knowledge that you ever put to constructive use subsequently. It may not even be stuff that you can remember this time tomorrow. But you will indubitably, by one o'clock today, know more than you do now if you stay listening to Mystery Hour. The way it works is this. You probably have bubbling away in your brain a question to which you have failed to find an answer it could be any form of question whatsoever i'll give you a quick word in a moment on what won't get on but you know what i'm talking about the the, the newspaper columns where people write in and say who why what where when whither whence wherefore what resulted what happened why do we do this where does that come from what's that about And, and, and how come that and what and if and whether and with all of those um but you don't know the answer you might be able to find it by googling but In a way, this hour, and I always sound a little bit up myself when I say that, but you're used to it by now, it's actually a a very unfashionable celebration of education, a celebration of illumination. It's uh, it's actually harking back to the days when you knew stuff and you taught your kids stuff and you learned stuff and you read stuff and you absorbed stuff and it stuck in your brain and you could pull it out again at a later date. You didn't rely upon a smartphone connected to the internet to get information on just about anything from where you should have dinner tonight to the capital of Peru. So don't ring in unless you're prepared to join in with that. And if you've going to be tempted to google any answers then you're wasting everybody's time so what is the question you need an answer to oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need if you hit it now you will actually get through it's a crazy busy hour this but but we are uh, we're breaking records at the moment every week we're, we're, we're actually ending with every single question answered in more weeks than we're not so we're turning them over as quickly as we possibly can the only circumstances in which you'll be politely invited to jog on are if your question is boring which will genuinely be true if it's a question to which only you are going to be interested in the answer or if it's related to motoring. Uh, and if it's a question that we've answered relatively recently and can remember doing so. You can have a look at the Mystery Hour archive, lbc.co.uk, for a little bit of guidance perhaps on whether or not the question has already been done. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. If you hear me say the number, it means there's a phone line free. Okay? So judicious use of redial and a little bit of patience will generally be rewarded shall we start in bognor regis as so many wonderful things do ellis is there with a question ellis what is it james good afternoon how are you Uh, very well mate what's on your mind what i wanted to know is um with all the foreign exchange premises throughout the world how much at any point of a country's currency is held outside of that country well there's not going to be one answer to that ellis there's not i mean i accept i accept that there are countries with exchange controls and you know Holidaymakers bringing out pockets full of Deutschmark. So you want you want to know how many pounds are outside Britain? No, or 
American dollars out. No, but I can't do that. We'll be here all day. I mean, we'll have to start with America and finish with Zambi- Zambia. <laughs> all right, give, give, give me some answers on the major currencies. No, get, get knotted with your major currencies. You can pick one country. Let's go for Euros. Why? Can't we have Britain? Let's go for Britain. Thank you, Ellis. Look at that. You've turned it around, <laughs> you've won the argument. <laughs> so how many pounds at, at a given point? And do we mean actual money rather than a number on a computer spreadsheet in a bank's? Actual, I'll tell, tell you why. I had to go out the country quickly earlier in the year. I went into a foreign exchange place and they had a wad of what I wanted. And you think, if you duplicate that throughout the thousands of places in the UK... Yeah. How much of a country's hard, liquid capital would be will be will be overseas? I, I like the question. I don't know that it will have an answer. I don't know how it would be measurable. I, and I certainly don't think there'd be an answer that applied to other countries that, 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 that applied across the board. Although Ellis, as you've probably picked up over the years or the weeks, the more confident I am that that, that that a question doesn't admit of the kind of answers that you're looking for, the more likely I am to make an idiot of myself when the truth subsequently emerges. John's in Marlow. John, what have you got? I have a question for you. Carry on, John. Um, I'd like to know, you know when you go fishing, you can buy sort of maggots as bait? Yeah. I'm not sure how suitable this will be for people eating their lunch, but um, I want to know how they how they farm them, how they, how they get them. Because obviously, you know, they come from flies. Yeah. But but how how do they get them on such mass? It can't be, can't be a nice uh, way, I wouldn't have thought. No, nor would I, actually, now you come to mention it. It's fairly obvious, but but I don't know. Well, yeah. Formula. I mean, yeah. there must be sort of dead animals somewhere or something like. I don't know. Well, exactly I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. Fruit or yeah, exactly. Fruit we, or bodies. Or we, something. We, so we need a maggot farmer. Indeed. How many maggots would a maggot farmer farm if a maggot farmer? <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. Why? Why? Why do you want to know? Because you go fishing and it's just occurred to you. No, I, I actually do. I do pest control, and I was learning about insects and flies and things, and it just sort of, I don't know, just cropped up, just occurred to me then. I like it. I like it a lot. How, how how do you farm maggots? There you go. Well, get a mummy dad, mummy maggot, and a daddy maggot, and cross your fingers. David is in Doncaster. David, question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on. Uh, and we move from maggots to worms. Oh, really? Well, is really? There, what is the collective term for wiggly things? Do you know? Uh, ooh, I wouldn't like to suggest that. <laughs> no, probably just <laughs> as well. Just as well, David. What <laughs> 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 can worm me out? Well. It struck me the other day, and I've noticed it before. You know, after we, we have a heavy shower, the worms seem to come out of the ground, which presumably to stop themselves from getting drowned or whatever. But you see worms come out of the ground, they strand themselves on the footpaths, and yet birds seem to take no notice of them. Why, why is there not a feeding frenzy when this happens? I, I've seen blackbirds, I've seen birds pulling worms out of the ground on many occasions. Yes. But I, I've never seen... A pot full of birds picking up the worms that come out of the ground. What you an know, interesting it, question. It's all going a bit natural. It's all going a bit David Attenborough this week, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it because birds need to keep their wings dry? Well, the, the worms are still there when it stops raining. Uh, and then they don't come down and take them? Yeah. Maybe they're not hungry. Well, that might well be the case. Maybe they, they have already eaten. Maybe they've had their fill. Uh, and so, but you just don't see it. Why don't, why don't birds eat worms that come out in the rain? Yeah. Even when it stopped raining? Because I, I don't know about that last bit there. Well, uh, I, I, How much work have you done on this, David? How much, uh, observation and scrutiny have you undertaken? <laughs> about 62 years, but. 
You've yeah. been watching all those for all those. You've found a few afternoons a year for sixty-two years to, to go and watch worms in the rain. Well, I thought last week. I noticed it last week. We, we've, we've had a dry period, and then, and then obviously it rained, and the worms came out. The other day, and I noticed the worms on the ground. And I thought, why are they not being eaten? But they're a very high protein food source for well, any are, animal, absolutely, particularly, yes, particularly at this time of year, coming into the winter. Precisely, they should be filling their little boots, their little Indeed. birdie boots. Indeed. Um, right, you're on. Why do I, I mean, I, unless it is something that only you have observed and science is yet to catch up with the evidence, we should be able to get you an answer to that. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Martin's in Beckersfield. Martin, question or answer? James, I'm sorry, this is another bird question. My apologies for that. But I was sitting in the car park with my little nephew yes. the other day and he said, why don't seagulls sit in trees? And I hesitated and I thought, well, actually, I don't think that they do. Why, why did you hesitate? Just in case he was wrong? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking, I don't think I've ever seen a seagull sitting in a tree. They sit on the grass, but they don't tend to flock... Or they'll in, sit on a building or, or a cliff. Yeah, or a building or a... I think, yeah, that, exactly. I think I'm going to have a crack at this, with your permission. Go yeah, go on. I mean, a seagull is a cliff-dwelling creature which is why they're drawn to skyscrapers, oddly, and, and well, not oddly at all, because they're like urban cliffs. Yeah. And I imagine that the perspective they enjoy from a cliff or a building, or indeed the grass, makes it easier to spot any predators that are in the vicinity. Whereas well, if, I, if they're in a tree, they could get kebab from behind at any point. <laughs> I did think that. Oh, I. Oh, you... I. I bet you did. Yeah, now you, now you thought that. Oh, yes. <laughs> but then... We're in Beckinshoot. We've got red kites everywhere. Yes, and you could kind of say the same about a red kite, in as much that it's a it's a sort of similar sized bird, and it you know sort of. Yeah, but sort it's of got eagle. no predators. A red kite. Well, has a seagull got natural predators? Yeah, red kites. Oh, I'd like to see a fight between a red kite and a seagull. You that pervert! Would be what sort of pervert <laughs> are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's there. I don't, yeah, but it I, doesn't I, have to have a predator now. It's part of the evolutionary process. So, I mean, it may have been a you know a, a, a fear of the sea eagle in, in 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 eagle in previous generations. The 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 I imagine the seagull has evolved to to roost in a place that is is harder to approach by a predator than a um a tree. You're they hesitating a little bit, Jack. Well, no, I just can't believe how clever I am. That's the only reason I'm pausing, Martin. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, well, is that enough to convince my nephew? I don't know if it's going to be, to be honest. Okay. But but if I get a definitive answer on that, then we will uh, we'll share the we'll share the applause. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And you you, you be better keep that under your hat, mate. I, I, I mean, you could probably find it on film somewhere. But you know, seriously, that's just sick. It's twelve fourteen. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. How many uh, how many pounds are overseas in in terms of notes and pennies, notes and coins? How, how much is outside Britain at any given time? Does anybody know? Uh, that's a mystery. How do you farm maggots? Why don't birds eat worms during the when it's raining? The worms that I think they do. I think old David in Doncaster might have got that one a bit wrong. Um, and why don't seagulls sit in trees? I'm going to take an answer to that. I think because otherwise everyone's going to ring in. I, I, I was a bit stupid. John's in Reading. John, question or answer? I have an answer to your seagull conundrum. Carry on. Um, basically, seagull is a, a seabird, speaks for itself, and oh, yeah. they have webbed feet. Yeah. 
and his wedge feet don't have claws, so they can't grip a branch. It's pretty basic, really. Yeah, all right. Don't rub it in. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about so that. So they can. I mean, people have unearthed. In fact, Barry in Brighton, who's still trying to recover from the shame of his endless story in the first hour, has just tweeted me a picture of a seagull in a tree. But that will be a very fat branch that the seagull is capable of balancing on with webbed feet rather than... Yeah, just sit, basically it'll just sit on the, on the branch, not, not grip the branch. Yeah, exactly. But, so um, it could sit on a plank of wood, it could stand on a plank of wood, but it couldn't yeah. grip a twig. So that is the answer. Yeah. Why don't seagulls, why don't you ever see seagulls in trees? Because they've got webbed feet. Yeah, basically. That's Qual- just, uh, Qualifications, John? 16 years in the Royal Navy, watching people dropping gun barrels in the sea and things like that. <laughs> You've got to stop doing that <laughs> anecdote. Because no, most people, the Sorry. audience is twice the size now than it was when you first rang in with that story. But most of the people listening won't know what it is. It was one of my favourite stories ever uh, about, what was it, the most valuable thing you've lost or something like that. And one of his colleagues in the Navy drops an enormous gun off the side of the boat. Yeah. Simon's in Eastbourne. Question or answer, Simon? Yes, good morning. Um, it's... A rainbow, the same size wherever you are in the world. No, it's not. No. Okay. Is that, is that it? Uh, so a false rainbow for the sake of argument. Do, do you want to know, know what my qualifications are? Sorry. Don't you want to know how I know? Well, your intelligence, I presume. It's not that. It's got to be... I can't just say that. You say, what are your qualifications? I say, my epic intelligence. I'm not going to get away with that, am I? I saw a double the other day with the girls. I was out with the girls, and we saw a double rainbow. So there's one on the outside, one on the inside. Ergo, they must be both different sizes. Ergo, no, they're not always the same size. Well, would the basic one be the same size? What do you mean, the basic one? Well, the one at the bottom. How do you know that's the basic one and not the one at the top? Because the one at the top's the reflection, isn't it? No, it isn't. It's a completely separate rainbow in its own right, with its own individual freedoms. Oh, that's, uh... Physics, surely. I'm taking the round of applause now. I didn't realise you were going to quibble. OK. Brian's in Elton. Brian, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. So which one? Which question? Uh, it's the maggot one. Oh, how do you farm maggots? Well, I've been, I've been, I've dealt with maggots over, for over 70 years. I'm not a maggot dealer, but anyway, I'm a fisherman. So you're a maggot, you're just a user? I'm a user, Not yeah. a dealer? Not a dealer. Okay, no. just to clarify. Well, what, what happens is, I mean, I mean, the commercial uh, uh, producers of maggots, they've got huge, huge uh, sheds, and uh, of course they've got. It's all set up with. Um, they have a uh, huge trays going the length of the shed, and underneath there's a, a, a another tray to to uh, collect the maggots. Anyway, what happens is that they they use. Rotten meat, fallen oh. stock, animals, it, it stinks horrible, I can oh, tell you. Oh, man. I, I, uh, and there's millions of millions of blue bottles flying all over oh. the place. <laughs> anyway, what they do is they, all, all, the, all the fallen animals that are laid on these huge trays, they slit them so as the, so as the blue bottles can, can come, land on them, and they lay their eggs. Yes. The eggs turn into maggots. Correct. And when the maggots are full and that, they drop down into these huge trays and then they're collected for... Oh, that is disgusting. Have you been, have you visited one of these warehouses? I have, indeed, yeah. So that is your qualifications right there. Yeah, yeah. uh, In fact, uh, I I, I did it as a boy of 10 years. uh, I'm now 80, but I've been fishing for over 70 years, but we used to go to a tan yard. And uh, the same sort of thing happened, but it was only on a small scale then. But, uh, yeah, I've been into the commercial ones, and it's absolutely, uh, you you see dead animals like pigs, 
swollen up, black, uh, yeah, all right, smelly, mate. and yeah, all right, Brian. People are having their lunch. Uh, uh, well, I'm after an applause, you know. You put me, well, if you stop talking, I might give you one. You've put me right <laughs> off my green tea now. <laughs> but Brian, I, okay. Accept this with our compliments. Okay. Don't go yet. I need to ask you a question. Okay. Do you do the thing under the tongue? Uh, never, never, never. No, that that is, that is a myth. No, it's not a myth. I, I've seen people do it. Oh well, I haven't. No, uh, all right. no. Well, it, it would drown the maggot for a start. You don't, I mean, you don't keep it there forever. You just put yeah, it there to warm it up, are, get it a bit yeah, wrigglier. But, but yeah, but maggots are three quid a pint. You know, you can't waste them under your tongue. This is very true. I don't think yeah, you're supposed but, to leave them there, Brian. Great work. You've got a round of applause, and you've made us all feel a bit queasy. Let's go to Birmingham for another Brian. Two Brian's. In a, it's a brace of Brian's. The one in Birmingham. Question or answer? Question. Go on. I want to know why we translate some foreign place names, but not all of them. For example? For example, München in Germany, we call it Munich. Yeah. And Paris in France, they call it Paris. Yeah. I can say Paris. I don't need to, I don't need to pronounce the S. Well, and you then, can say München as well, I imagine. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So why we change it? And then Marseille in South France, we yeah. don't call it Marseilles. Well, no, that's, pronunci that's pronunciation rather than translation. It's when you've got two different words. Munich and München would be... Would be yeah. I don't know, mate. That's a really good question. Uh, how, how do the natives describe Birmingham? Uh, well, I'm not in Birmingham. I'm in Bristol. What? <laughs> how the hell did that happen? <laughs> I, I drive fast. I've been hanging <laughs> on a while. <laughs> it's way to get through. Let's think of some other examples. Are you sure that the Germans call Munich München? I, I've been to Munich, yes, they All do right. call it München. So it's München Airport. And it's like the football team, Borussia Mönchengladbach, isn't it? Uh, they, go, they call it München. Is that, is that the only one? We need to think of some others. Well, I don't... Roma and Rome? Yeah, that's good. Um, Roma has two meanings here. So that might it? be why. Yeah, Mun so does Munching. <laughs> no, it's not Munching. <laughs> <laughs> but that might be why, historically... They decided to call it Munich because everyone thought that they were saying munchies, munching, munching. Yeah, yeah, you, you could be right, James. Could you get someone else to answer it, please? What, Brian? <laughs> What's the point of having a radio show if you can't wax lyrical all by yourself with a nice, friendly listener from Bristol? I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm listening to you, but you're not making any sense. <laughs> Can we have that as the next catchphrase, please? Wayne's in... Oh, what? Wayne's in Basildon. Wayne, wh why do some countries um, get translated and other countries not? Um, I don't know. All right. Question or answer? <laughs> it's a question. Go on. All right, I've been figuring, trying to figure out how to change a clock in my van, and I can't, I can't do it. And it got me to thinking, um, what was the original time? Because clocks go forward and clocks go back, but it had to, the position had to start somewhere. So whichever one went first would be the original time, and the other one would be this made-up mythical time. It's not really mythical, is it? What's that? It wouldn't be mythical. The mythical well, time. It's just no, artificial right. time, if you like. Yeah, so right. so what you want to know is when did the clocks first go backwards or forwards, and which yeah. was it? Yeah. I like that question. Because it seems... Um, and why do we still do it? Well, no, hang on. Don't get carried away, mate. You've got your question... Well, OK, if, if someone's answering it with, with a bit of history... The reason maybe, we still yeah. do it is, is because of um, farmers. But surely they still don't... We've got technology. We don't... Well, by technology, you mean torches, do you? Well, yeah. 
and light bulbs. But farmers, I, I can't remember why, but you're only allowed one question. So you can have okay. that. You can have the clocks. When did the clocks first go backwards or forwards and why? And, and which was it? So you've already got a supplementary. Thank you, Wayne. It's coming up to 12.29. Let's have a quick look at what the questions are. How many pounds and pence at the moment would actually be physically outside Britain? Is there any way of knowing? I don't think there is. We've done the maggots. Why don't birds eat worms that have come up during the rain? And a few of you telling me that they do, so I don't know. Oh, we might have a problem with that question. I knew it. Uh, seagulls we've done. That was a nice question. Why don't seagulls sit in trees? Because they got webbed feet. Why do some cities get change names when they change language? So the only one we've come up with so far is, I don't know, Roma and Rome, München and Munich. Otherwise, Paris stays the same, even if we pronounce it differently. Same in Marseille. Uh, and what went first? Forwards, backwards on the clocks, and why? It's coming up to half past 12. Chris, can you ask a question in eight seconds? Yes. Good. Right, why is it, you and Bershaw never experienced this, but if you have a little bit too much to drink, the next day you can't remember what you've done. <sighs> Are you all right now, Chris? Yeah, I'm fine. I don't drink that more now. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. All those black. I can't apps. remember why I don't. I can't remember why I gave up. We'll find out. Why does alcohol make you lose your memory? I like that one as well. It's uh, Mr. Yow with me, James O'Brien. As I bid farewell to Chris, it frees up a phone line for you. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number you need. It's half past twelve. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 26 minutes to one is the time. And here are some of the questions still. Oh, and I've got one from Twitter as well. We'll do that in a moment too. Uh, how many pounds and pennies are uh, outside the United Kingdom at any given moment? I don't think we're going to get an answer to that question. So anything you've got at all on that would be helpful. Uh, how much of a currency? Is there any measure of knowing how much of an actual physical currency is outside the country of origin? Why don't birds eat worms during... Uh, that, that come out when it's raining. I think, okay, anyway. Um, wh why do we translate some city names and not others? And you've gone nuts on this one, I have to tell you. So you're quite right. Athens is Athena, Nicosia is Lefkosia, Limassol is Lemesos, Florence is Firenze, the football club is Fiorentina, uh, Den Haag is The Hague. That's a straight translation. So, I, I mean, the question is, uh, and Jason Farrell from Sky News, who actually I thought was on telly at the moment, I glanced up a minute ago and he was there. Obviously, he's, he's off the telly now and listening to Mystery Hour. He says, nearly every town in Wales has two names. True. So what was the question again? I don't know, but if you can answer it, give us a buzz. Why, what, why did the clocks move the first time? And, and did they move forwards or backwards? And why does alcohol make you lose your memory? If you can answer any of those, uh, you know what to do. Let's go to John in Guildford. Question or answer, John? Answer. Carry on. About the clocks moving. Oh, yes. It started in the First World War. The clocks were put forward during the First World War as a daylight saving exercise to try and save energy, gas, electricity, and so on. Um, then in the Second oh, yeah. World War, it happened, the, and the clocks went forward all the time. So there was British summertime the whole year round, and in the summer there was double summertime when um, the clocks went forward two hours from Greenwich Mean Time. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. And when did they sort of put things back to normal uh, after the war yes yeah, so, good answer um what are your qualifications john i was alive during the war and you just remember yeah <laughs> that's probably the finest qualification of all really isn't it i was there and i remember yeah love it uh round of applause for john please we don't know why is it still there is a, is a subject of some debate with some organizations calling for it to be rescinded um alex is in romford alex question or answer it's a question. Carry on. 
I'd like to apologise to start with because me and your colleague are um, confused as to whether this is one of those really, really good questions or one of those really awful, awful questions. Yeah. So I will apologise to start with. It'll be the last. Um, what colour is a mirror? Because I'm looking at a mirror now yeah. and it's doing my head in. I can't work out what colour it is. Does well, it have a colour? No. Is that definitive? Yeah. Qualifications? Well, what do you mean what colour is it? Well, it's silver. As a you mean silver? It's I mean, it's a mirror. If you take the glass off a mirror, there's silver behind it. But very, very highly polished silver. silver that reflects. It's not silver, though. When I look at it, it's not silver. No, because you're seeing your reflection. And you are not silver. But if you were, you would see silver. And it still wouldn't be relevant know. to the colour of the mirror. The mirror is... What are you confused about, Alex? Well, I looked at it and I don't see the silver. I see whatever's reflecting. Yeah. Reflecting in what? Reflecting in what? Reflecting light. No, reflecting in what? Reflecting in In. something silver. For most mirrors. But you could get another mirror that was slightly different tint, you know? You could get a mirror that was slightly differently... Constructed, but if you smash a mirror and, and all the glass falls off it, you're left with a plate of polished silver. So if you want to put a colour on a mirror, and you clearly do, the colour is silver. Yeah, I realise how stupid the question was now. No, don't say that. It's never. It's no, it's no such thing as a stupid question. Just Thank stupid questioners. <laughs> Give me a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> right, the problem is, the cockier I get, the bigger... Plumber maker myself subsequently, and I can see there's a professor on the horizon who might be about to launch a steward's inquiry on one of my previous answers. Do we have to take that call? Howard is in Pimlico. Question or answer, Howard? I think an answer. Yes. Uh, with regards to the uh, foreign, uh, the exchange notes, Yes. Um, I used to work in the city, and the Bank of England used to publish uh, money supply figures every month, and part of that figure was notes in circulation. Now, as... Certain notes expire and they're burnt, they issue new ones, so they know the total amount of notes in circulation, but to actually quantify it, the amount that is in any one country or... So, uh, yeah, I got it. So, circulation possible, location impossible. And this has been a new measure to, to, to carry out that in the last five, six years since I've left. Seems unlikely. Uh, which I doubt. Seems but, um, unlikely. Yeah. I'm going to give you a round of applause for that. <laughs> First one. Well, well played, Howard. Well played. Better late than never. 12.39, that's the level of excitement I expect a round of applause to generate. Professor Howe's far too blasé, he's had about 412. He's rung in again now. He's the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. Hello, James, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. What, what's, what you have I done wrong you now? You had this rainbow question, and yeah. you answered it, and yeah. you said, do you know how, how I know that? Do you yeah. know how I know that? Yeah. I thought the next words that would come from your mouth would be, because Professor Howe answered that about four weeks ago. And you didn't, you said, because I saw one. Well, I did. And I think we need to raise... I, 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 I actually saw happen. two, Professor Howe. I know, but I think the original caller wanted a bit more, a bit, a bit more meat on the bone on that one. Um, so can I give you the answer I gave you before, which yeah. is just as exciting, and you liked it very much. But the question wasn't about whether or not they're all the same size last time. Yes, it was. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I've got to start listening to this show. Go on. Effectively, um, the rain that's falling from the cloud acts like a prism, so it cert- slows down certain wavelengths of light more than others, and that's why you get the rainbow effect. So if you've got a a small cloud with a small amount of water falling, yes. you get a small rainbow. Yes. You've got a whopping big cloud with much more water falling, you've got a bigger prison. Now, hang on a minute, Professor Howe. I'm not disputing anything you said, but the question was very simply, are all rainbows the same size? To which the answer is is no. 
And that is definitive. I know, James, but we must add value when... Well, I'm afraid we don't need to on this, OK? The question was... Fa- if the question had been phrased like it was a month ago when you answered the question that you're now answering again, I would have, uh, I would have bowed to your professorial superiority. You don't have to bow professorial anything. I know I don't have to. I choose to. But the question was, are all rainbows the same size? I know, but mystery hour always seems, seems to add value. And uh, well, I did add value. It added, it added the value of my human experience. I said, no, they're not. He said, how do you know that? And I said, because last weekend, driving back from the New Forest, actually, I didn't add all that value. I'm adding extra value now. I saw a, a double-headed rainbow, a, a rainbow within a rainbow. So those are two rainbows that are demonstrably and observably of different sizes. Ergo, I can definitively reply to the question, are all rainbows the same sizes, with a no. Well, I'm, I'm crushed. Well, I'm not giving you a round of applause, Prof. Oh, well, I'll, I'll look at all the other. I'll, I'll replay all the others. Yeah, stop showing off. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping that one. I'm allowed to keep that one. That was a simple question. Are they all the same size? No, and you've you've used up your go now. So we'll probably never get an answer to some of the more difficult questions still on the board. Like, why does alcohol make you lose your memory? Warren's in Northwood. Question or answer, Warren? Mr. O'Brien, Hello, a question. Warren. Nice to hear from you. Oh, lovely, lovely to hear back. Mm. But I'll be quick because you've got travel. Um. Oh, you're all right. We've got three and a half minutes. Two okay. and a half minutes. That's a lifetime. It can be. Right. Depends who you're listening to. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't, well, now, the question is, right, I've got just bought a rain gauge. Oh. Hmm. Which is automatic and transmits information to my iPhone, and I can pick it up wherever I am in the world, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Right. Now, it measures in mi- a quarter of a millimetre of rainfall. Yes. Now, the gauge is wide at the top, yes. and it narrows down like a funnel. Yes. And collects in a little thingy bob at the bottom yes and then it fills up and then tips and empties out and fills up again yes now don't understand this it measured yesterday that we had 0.1 of a millimeter of rain yes but the funnel's big at the top it's about four or five inches across yes so the rain falls in that area yes collects and goes through a very small hole at the bottom yes well i don't understand it how does that measure the millimeters mm-hmm. because the more more rain's falling in those five inches across yes. than actual actually collects at the bottom in the reciprocal at the bottom. Correct. You get me? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- I don't understand. We might as well have something a mile mile across and have that funneling in. Yes. Why don't we do that? Yeah. We, if you did, it would be even more accurate. Yep. Yeah. No. Yes. No, because if you have rainfall a mile across yeah, and collect right. all that rain, you've probably got 15 gallons. Well, y- yes, but it's so, fallen on a mile-wide radius, so you divide it by a mile to find out what the rainfall is. But what, how does it do that, then? Well, when you checked your gauge after it measured a millimetre, how much was in the bottom? More well, than you a- don't check it. You don't, you don't touch that because it's all collaborated. Oh, OK. But if yeah. you did, if you I would did. not... If you did, you'd see more than a... Uh, uh, you'd see... Le- hang on a minute. Yeah, you'll see you're confused. No, I'm not. Only because of you, not because no. of the science. Don't Wait don't. there. Just shush. Mm. Yeah, if you would have seen, if you'd actually got the water in front of you... Mm. A different amount. You wouldn't have seen a millimetre. So huh? ra- rainfall is measured, what is it, per square inch or square foot? I don't know what the meteorology office does. But right. imagine imagine if it was only measuring... Let's say it's a square inch for the sake of argument, Warren. Okay. All right? So you've got a square inch. You're getting all serious. I am now. Well, I like these sort of questions. I'm right. probably going to make a complete herbert of myself, but we shall press on Again. nonetheless. Again, thank you. Yeah. So if you had a single square inch... Yeah and you wanted to measure how much rainfall had landed on that single square inch, it, it would be almost impossible to do. Correct. So you have a much broader area, which funnels down, 
and then you divide the width of the funnel by the amount of water in the bottom to get an idea of how much rain has fallen on, on a smaller space, like an inch. I like you. It's good, isn't it? I like you. You got it? Can I give you a round of applause? You sure can! Ready? Oh, look at that! <laughs> Stereo! Thank you, Jack. Qualifications? Thank, thank, um, Qualifications? Uh, actually, we had a Stevenson screen at school, which measured all manner of meteorological phenomena, and I, I remember the, 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 the rainfall one being explained to us. It's 12.45. 12.50 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, continuing to solve mysteries with your help and, indeed, your connivance. Uh, we, haven't, we did well on the seagulls, but we're not going to do very well on the worms, I fear. Why, why do birds not eat worms that, that come out during the rain? Done the pounds. Uh, haven't done the cities. Why In English. I think we'll do it from England. We'll do it from, from, from Great Britain. Why do we translate some foreign city names and not others? So, you know, Den Haag becomes the Hague. That's fairly obvious because Den is a, is a Dutch word. But why do we say uh, Florence and not Firenze or, or, or indeed, what was the original example? München. Why do we say Munich and not München? Why are not for other cities? Other cities stay the same. I like that question. And why does alcohol uh, sometimes involve loss of memory? Terry's embarking. Terry, question or answer? Question, James. Come on, Terry. But the lovebirds. What's a lovebird? Is it true? Yeah, you know the lovebirds? No. Is it true that they should be in pairs, or can they live on their own? I don't know what a lovebird is. You don't know what a lovebird is? That's what I said. Well, I've got a pair of lovebirds. One of them died. Oh. But I was told they should be living in pairs, but the one, I, the one I've got remaining has lived for about two years on his own. So your question is, can a lovebird ever live alone, and you've got one that yeah. did? Yeah. I think, we might have, I think we might have answered your question then, Terry. Yeah, but it's supposed to be uh, a pair of lovebirds. No, I, I know, but I know this bloke, right, who's got... He had a pair of lovebirds and one of them died and that was over two years ago and the other one's still fine. So that answers your question. Me. What? And that is me. Correct. <laughs> OK, mate. Fair play. Thank you, Terry. Applause for you, then. <laughs> Thank you very much, Terry. That's possibly my favourite ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Clive's on the M25. Clive, question or answer? Sorry, I'm laughing too much. You uh, and me both. Uh, <laughs> it's an answer, Jay. Oh, good. Uh, I'd like... It's on the uh, daylight saving... Yes. ...issue. Um... It may well have happened during the war, but I believe that daylight saving was invented by a gentleman of the name of William Willett, who lived in Chiselhurst, and uh, he used to ride in Pets Wood. This was in the late 19th century, and he wanted to have more time of daylight to ride his horse in the morning. And being an MP, he had a bill passed in Parliament to enact uh, he must, really? He didn't have to come up with a slightly better rationale or... or, 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 or no, this is, this is absolutely true, and there is a statue to Mr. Willett in the middle of Petswood in Clint. Love it. Um, attesting to it, uh, and I've seen this on them many occasions because I used to walk my dogs in Petswood when I lived there. I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to give you a round of applause for the for the for the contribution and its quality. I'm not going to bother checking it or anything like that because it's a delightful, delightful piece of information. 
Good man. I like that a lot. Uh, Sam's in Romford. Sam, question or answer? Question, Peter. Yes, Sam. Okay. Where does the term um, getting cold feet when in relation to getting married come from? Oh, what a lovely question. Cold feet. You're not, you're not, you're not. I'm not, no, no, no. no. I've been married for a long time. Yes. But too. I was talking about it with my cousin this morning and we were just joking. And she said, oh, I've always got cold feet. Yes. She said, oh, I'm never getting married. And we just had a giggle. And I thought, oh, <laughs> where does that come I'm from? I'm going to ask you. I love that yeah. one. I lo- oh, I hope we can yeah. squeeze that one in as well. It's only 12.54. We should be all right. Well, the origin, because I can't think what it would mean. No. Because usually, the, the, usually, if you think about it for a minute, you sort of, well, you're getting married, so you'd be wearing shoes. You wouldn't be wearing shoes. Like cold feet in the context of a marriage. I've got cold feet. I love that, yeah, Sam. Well played. Bizarre. It's a lovely one, that. And, and as with a lot of these figures of speech that we bandy about quite casually, we don't ever stop to think about them. Except, of course, on Mystery Hour. 0345 If you can answer that or... Um, should we take another quick question, actually? So... Uh, uh, Marcia is in where in Hertfordshire? Marcia, question or answer? It's a question, I hope, I think. What do you mean you think it's a question? <laughs> it's not the best start ever. So, well, when we were little, my mum always said, my mum used to say to us, how many beans make five? So as children, we naturally went, oh, it's five. And she'd always say, nope. And I'm now 42, and I still don't know the answer to that question. I don't even get it. Exactly. What are you talking about? Well, she would say, how many beans make five? So yeah. we'd say five. So I've asked other people over the years, how many beans make five? Yeah. And the only other answer people have come up with is, and bear with me, yeah. a bean, a bean, a half a bean, a half a bean, a bean, a half a bean, a half a bean, which adds up to five. But I don't know whether it's a question, so whether there is actually an answer. I, I, nor do I know. I've got, I mean, I've got very little idea what you're talking about. No, and I've texted my mum and she still won't tell me. So... Uh, have you ever heard the phrase anywhere else? I mean, perhaps it's just I one of your mother's it. peculiarities. No, no. No, I have heard it before, but still... So it's a riddle. Sort of it's family. a sort of riddle, is it? Then how many beans make five? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I'm thinking along the lines of, well, how long's a piece of string? It's that kind of ilk. Yes. But I don't know the answer to it, and I'm 42 now, and I've had this in my head for that quite a while. Well, I shall do my best. I'll do my best to get you an answer. So it's the origins of the phrase, or, or, or indeed the answer, an explanation. How many beans make five? 12.56. Um, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but you're in Kensal Green. How do I pronounce this name? Hello, it's Morenica. Morenica, hello. Yes. Do you have a question or an answer? It's an answer. Carry on. It's a lovely name. Thank you very much. Is it sort of a one-off? Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit pop, um, popular in my Nigerian culture, but Marenica, yeah, lovely, cool. Go on. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's to the alcohol why yes. it affects your brain. It's because the once you've had too much to drink, it stops the part of your brain that forms short-term memory. Really? Yeah, the alcohol affects it, and that's what's called a blackout. What is that part of your brain called? I'm not a hundred percent sure. What are your qualifications? It, um, I just conducted some research while I was in university. What were you studying at university? Media performance, <laughs> but it wasn't related to my subject. Because I, I conducted quite a lot of research into alcohol-related blackouts while I was at university, yeah. but not quite in the way that you mean. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the short-term I, memory that is the, the part of the brain that stores short-term memory is compromised by alcohol in, in sufficient quantities. Yep. 
I like that. Round of applause for, for Marenica, I think. That seems, that seems fairly straight. We could have gone a little bit more scientific, but Professor Hal used up his go trying to play silly beggars with my rainbow answer. Helen is in Pimlico with a question or an answer, Helen. Answer. Come on, then. Um, I think that cold feet relates to cold sweats when you get nervous. Why? Um, well, because my daughter suffers with anxiety, and every time we ask for anything that causes her any anxiety, she goes into a cold sweat. No, but no, um, if, you, if you were getting married against your will, you'd come out in a cold sweat. If you were actually <laughs> escaping from a marriage you don't want, you'd be laughing all the way to, to the to wherever it is you're going. But it's still an involuntary emotion. But why feet? Why trust. cold feet? Um, because the sweat drains to the bottom of your body. That just, you're just being silly now. <laughs> is, that it? is that really it? They put you through with that to end one of the finest mystery hours in living memory. We're ending with that. All right. Well, it's not your fault. Thanks. It's the thought that counts. It's coming up to one o'clock. You are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. You can do it again tomorrow if you want from 10am. And the next voice you will hear belongs to a recovered, I hope, Julia Hartley Brewer.